Canes fans, I got to tell you about our great new sponsor. Listen, we all love placing a bet here and there, right? But is there anything sweeter than winning a bet when it's against your friends? Against the people you know you get one up on them? Man, and the thing about it is you can bet with your friends on anything. You can bet with them on the Oscars, on sports, whatever it is. And that's what our new sponsor allows you to do. Let me tell you about Cut. That's K-U-T-T, Cut. The Cut app is a peer-to-peer social betting platform. It's legal in 40-plus states. Cut has customizable odds, tracking capabilities, an entire social network with group chats, user profiles, and rewards. All payments, no need for Venmo or anything like that. Listen, you can bet on anything on Cut. You want to bet your friend that the two of you are going to have a 40-yard... Wait a minute. That's not something I would ever do. But you could do it on Cut. That's right. Listen, log on to Cut right now and use our promo code BELIEVEMIAMI. That's B-L-E-A-V Miami for a 10% welcome deposit bonus. Don't forget that promo code. It's Believe Miami. B-L-E-A-V Miami. Do it now. Get on there. Get on to Cut and bet your friends about anything. It's a blast. The Real Ones Canes Podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian Lennon. He is Brandon O'Doy. Listen, listen, there's no better Canes Podcast. I mean, there's others out there that are good, but there's no better ones. And that is why you have to subscribe to the podcast. Go wherever you get your podcast: Amazon, Apple, Spotify, all those places, and subscribe. And hit up the YouTube channel as well. Brandon, the Beast, we're here for you. We got you. Spring practice is coming up, Brandon. Uh, I know a lot of people get excited and jacked up we got some new players coming in we got position battles we got things going on i'm i don't want to be the debbie downer or the donnie downer or the whatever downer but i just i can't get that jacked up over spring practice except for one thing i think we have a quarterback i think we do your thoughts yeah it it, listen it's all about cam and so we're thankful that, you know, we get an opportunity to wet our whistle with this young man and get a chance to kind of see him throw the ball around. I'm not just, I'm, I'm excited for this entire position group, to be honest. I mean, I'm still super impressed with Ja'Curry Brown. I'm still very intrigued by Reese, especially when I thought he was going to be the guy and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. Possibly. Um, yeah, I'm just going to call him Reese Poe, uh, right. Reese Pop, uh, whatever, or just Reese. And so... You and haven't even I, mentioned Emery. Oh, Emery's hurt, so get well soon. Well, no, I'm just saying in general, in the in the long run, right? Emery, we'll talk about Emery a year from now. Well, I don't... Oh, I, okay. A factor for me, like, um, so at the end of the day, this is a very intriguing spring because... You got toys, you got new things you want to see, you got some position battles, particularly on defense and the secondary, that are going to be shaping up. And let me tell you, in the transfer portal era, spring can be a very deceptive thing. That's why I'm not going to put a lot of energy into it because 
guys could be going out there auditioning for their new schools. And we think it's all sweet here. Outside of the guys that just came in, have brand new NIL deals, there may be some guys who are feeling like they could do better in other places and they could be really trying to play their butts off only to hop in the portal in the spring. Not saying it's going to happen, not wishing it's going to happen, but I want to sober Canes fans. I'd be less than, you know, a podcaster with some real insights if I didn't do the job of explaining this roster is not set. That's why I don't like these teaser-type situations because the way college football is now, we still don't know who's really going to be on this team. And so we'll get an opportunity to see guys run around. The position groups to watch are safety. Okay. You want to see who's going to win that slot corner position, the Decorey couch position. Okay. We feel pretty good about knowing who the backs are, the backers are going to be. We need to figure out who's going to play three technique, who will be the new D tackles. Um, so I'm not going to go too, too deep into it, but there's a lot to watch, but I just give the, the caveat. This ain't going to be the final team, and everybody has to understand that. All right, I think the best thing for do for us to do, I think, and we're and we're basically producing in real time, live on the air here, because Brandon, we I had a situation before the show. I don't even want to get into it. It was craziness in my hood, uh, and so that's why we're we're starting the way we are. But I think we should next week, um, after we hear from from Mario's. Sp- you know, first spring breakdown and all that stuff is maybe give the folks a little more in-depth breakdown of some of the positions, some of the things that we can look forward to after we get a little info, after we do some our, our due diligence. But this is what I would say about, you know, if we're going to get into like position battles and all this other stuff, I, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, who's going to make an impact on at, on offense at receiver, who's going to fill um, maybe one of those offensive lineman positions because we lost a couple and, you know, we got Carpenter coming in to, to hopefully fill that Matt Lee job. But I'm more concerned on defense, especially in the back end. I mean, you're replacing two great guys. You're replacing, you got to figure out your quarterback situation. You may be looking in the portal for another quarterback possibly. Uh, and linebacker, you know, I know two of them, Right, I I got I got Maui Noah and Bizanes, but then what else is going on after those two guys? I'm a little concerned about the defense, Brandon. Should I not? I mean, up front you've got definite talent, right? Up front you're good, I think. Um, but the back half, I'm a little little concerned. Should I not be? I'm not saying you shouldn't be there. You know, there are things that that you need to fix. Obviously, all the attention is going to go on safety because you lose two guys there. Now, the person who we should look to is Jaden Williams um, or Jaden. I don't know his last name. He's from my high school. I should know. Yeah, I mean, you should probably get that right. I I mean, Um, I'm pretty sure his name is Jaden Williams, but he's the safety uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. At the end of the day, he's one. He should be a part of that mix. And then some level of uh, the new Zaquan Patterson, the brand-new freshman who is already on campus and maybe somebody out of the portal. Now, the thing is, I think that safety is easier to fill than that Corey Couch corner nickel spot. I think that's the most significant part in this Lance Gidry defense, and I'm going to tell you why. That's the guy 
that's the wild card. That's the one that he'll send on a blitz. That's the one that usually draws that little slot dude. Jaden Harris is his name. Thank you. Um, shout out to him from Riverwood High School in Atlanta, Georgia. I think Jaden is is going to be at one of those safety spots. He has the most he has the most veteran ability, and he played the most of all the guys that are currently there. Okay, and he knows the scheme. So now with Jaden, the question to me becomes: Okay, you got Daryl Porter on one corner. That's pretty st- solid. Uh, I don't I don't know what the deal is with Jaden Davis. Um, if he's coming back or he's in, going to the league, I, I I have not heard any reporting on that. Then you have Devontae Brown, who I think can handle one of those corner spots, or maybe he can handle that slot spot. When he played, they had him covering Coleman, FSU on the road. He played one of the corner spots. I'm fine with Daryl Porter and Devontae Brown, but that slot position, that to me gets all the attention. That's the wild card on this Lance Gidrew defense because this is a two-linebacker defense. And if you bring back your starters and you bring back Ruben Bain and you got Wayne on one side and a cadre of defensive ends that are going to be competing for time, hopefully you get Mesador back. That's the question mark we have to try to figure out. And then you got all these transfer portal guys to replace LT and, uh, you know, Harrison Hunt and, and the other guy that played the majority of the snaps. Uh, but I do think the young man who came to us from Purdue, who had a really productive last name, I think he comes back a last season. I think he comes back too. So you've got depth there. The question is, how is it going to look? Because what we know, Beast, is when you watch enough college football, you can bring back in pieces, but it's the cohesiveness as a unit that's hard to replace. Like you can have talent but they may not play together in the same way that they played together the previous year where maybe you didn't even have the talent or when you had similar talent. So without a Cam Kitchens, without a real veteran, and I've known Daryl Porter since he played for my 707-15U team when he was a teenager, He, I'm not saying he can't be a leader, but that's I don't see him being that vocal guy. So is it going to be Besaint? Is it going to be, you know, I think it's Maui uh, Noah, no? Yeah, yeah is it yeah. going to be Kiko? Um, but usually it comes from the safety spot. That's a that's a safety quarterback of the defense type of spot, and that's the spot you're kind of dealing with that don't have a lot. Now, Kitchens came right in as a freshman and played like that. Is Zaquan going to do that? Is he even going to be on the field? So when I think about the defense, that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, you bring a good uh, – you bring up a good point about cohesiveness, right? And we saw it with the Michigan team that won the national championship. Those guys were together for years. They were as yeah. cohesive as a team can be. Um, they were the prototypical, hey, we, move, we, we we're really good and now we get great and now we win the national championship and we do it all together and all of that stuff. Um, but I'm just wondering in the new age of college football, like how often are we going to see that? Because there's so much movement that it's almost hard. You're you're just not going to get the same team year to year moving forward. I mean, it's just movement is so but, tough. But, but but look, the guys that ended up in the national championship were two back to back teams. Alabama was a brand new team, and they got to a point 
and then they couldn't go past that. Texas was a team that has basically been that same team, and they brought it back with like some additions. They brought the receiver in from Georgia. They they had a few, you know, they had the freshman running backs, but by and large, that was just a, a that team took the next step. Same thing at Washington. They took the next step, right? Same thing at Michigan. They had been getting to the college football playoff, couldn't get past their first game, and they took the final step. So you have to create cohesiveness to win. It's just there's no way around that. And so, okay, Cam, you've got one year, but the question becomes if you check out and someone else checks in and most everybody else stays, because I think next year you lose Porter, you lose um, Malanoa, you possibly lose Bissette. Like if that's the problem, when you have a good season, next year you're going to see more departures just because guys are closer to being done in their careers. So like this is an important year for building depth to try to have cohesiveness going into what could be the second year of being a really good team. All right, let's, I want to hold on on the on the movement we might see and who's leaving and whatever because I think there's a couple of factors that impact that which we'll get to on the other side. But let's flip over to the offense for a second. Uh, listen, I'm most interested in seeing how Cam Ward does um, with this team. I'm I'm really interested in seeing what Shannon Dawson dials up for Cam Ward. He comes from a very pass heavy offense. Uh, at Washington State. Uh, They passed it a lot more than they ran it. Miami was basically even 50-50 run pass. I'm interested to see how that number is with Cam Ward at the helm. I also am interested to see uh, how he does, uh, you know, as far as holding on to the football. If there's a hole in his game, he fumbles a lot. Now, is that going to be helped out by him having a better offensive line, having some better targets to throw to, not needing to do everything himself? Possibly. But, you know, as far as the rest of the offense goes, what are you looking for aside from Cam Ward that, you know, might keep your eye on? Well, I'm looking for running back development. Um, I want to see how fast Fletcher can get back to health. But I do think you're going to see more throwing with this Shannon Dawson offense under Cam. He's excited, okay? Dawson's excited. I think I mentioned I spoke to him. Yeah. I spoke to him off the record, but I think it's fair to say he's excited. Now, what I did learn is Cam is going to be a leader, okay? He's going to be a leader, and the receiving core is going to be much improved. There are going to be some guys contributing that people have, may have written off in, in, in this receiving core. Can, so, can I get a, give, me, give me a name. Give me a name. You get no names. You get no nuggets because uh, – Come it's on, man. It's me. not personal. It's to, it's, to, it's to maintain relationships and confidentiality. No, I, I got you, but you, – No, I know you're sorry. teasing, but this is the point I wanted to make. You're going to have leadership over there. You're going to have an improved receiver core. I think that center spot is something to be concerned about that line, and if you can figure out a way on God's green earth to get any production out of the tight end spot, which is basically I could have been playing tight end for Miami these past this past season, and I probably would not have done much worse than what we saw, and I'm being honest about that. Let me ask you a, a really a question that needs to be answered honestly, 
and I'm blinded, right? Because I'm sitting here being a, an Elijah Arroyo stan, rooting for that dude uh, to. to... <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I know, I know, I know. You will give me looks all day on that one. But do you think they have enough talent in the tight end position to utilize it the way they should? Well, I think this Lofton kid is going to give them an X factor they haven't had. I yeah, think he's sure. going to line up in the like a running back. I think he's going to be positioned. It's in, almost like an H back situation. He he's he's like a smaller version of a Brennan Jordan, like Brevin Jordan. He's like a I'm he's dynamic, and that's I'll leave it at that. I, Arroyo, I, that ship has sailed with me. Um, the deal is give us whatever you can give us. You know, I, listen. I take the ninth year guy. I didn't. I didn't care Cameron that Bormick, he. Yeah. I, I I didn't care that he wasn't like super athletic and dynamic. He did block well at times, and I think we can live with that. Just don't throw him the football unless he's wide open because he, his hands are not that sure, and he has trouble getting separation. He has great tattoos, but uh, I think <laughs> I think Shannon's gonna show. I think Shannon oh. Dawson is going to show that he's a little bit better of an OC when he has a better quarterback. Sorry, I don't want to throw past quarterbacks under the bus, but when you're in the air raid and you run 50-50, it's because you're trying to hide something, and that's as nice as I can be on that subject. you have any thoughts on what Riley Williams showed us in his first year, and can he yeah, I, I didn't think it was bad. I, I didn't think it was bad. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't play more. You know, the young man that left, the five-star, there were questions about his work ethic, professionalism. So, I mean, that's done. But Riley, he has an opportunity. McCormick, Arroyo, your best friend. Um, and uh, I'm excited about Lofton. Give me Lofton and, and give me Lofton or give me death. I like it. Um Here's one thing I do know about the offense, right? And maybe I'm being too naive with this. I just feel like with what with Mario and Alex Maribal, I just don't have to worry about the offensive line. I'm not like, saying you have to worry, but I, they've definitely earned the benefit of the doubt. But until I see it, bro, I mean, you can't. I'm, you not, can't I'm just, not from Missouri, but you got to show me. Uh, okay, Don Solinger, like. Uh, I just feel like that is the one position on the team that I just feel like they can figure out. Like if if there's so any what happened in the bowl, so what happened in the bowl? Game? Well, you had a bunch of guys that you know didn't play. Hey, they can figure it out. They knew they weren't gonna. They knew they knew they okay. were gonna have. Yeah, g- give them. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, give them, a, yeah. give them a spring and an off season and a fall they, camp. They a They'll figure it out. They, they, they had a month, and it didn't look very good at all. No, so it was bad. I was with you on that, but I they didn't take away my healthy skepticism, and I'm not saying they ain't going to get the job done, but if if I wanted to put those doubts to bed, I wasn't able to do that because of Rutgers. Like, they weren't bad. They were really bad. Like, that guy couldn't – he couldn't get a snap off until, like, the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, you, no. Well, may, that may speak to the cohesiveness issue. Right, these correct. guys have never played together. I, you know, I also think the uh, that if there's one position where cohesiveness matters, it's offensive line. Like that unit needs to work together 
every single day, right? Because it is what they're doing is, is, you know, is almost like a choreographed situation where it takes practice together, together, together. You know, it, it's almost like if if you have a Broadway show and you throw a bunch of understudies in to the Broadway show, like the performance is not going to be as good as if you have your stars there because they don't work as much. They don't practice as much together. Uh, that's how that offensive line is to me. You know, as long as I've been covering that game, that position is all about cohesiveness. You just, you need guys that practice every day together. I agree. Well, I'm, I'm glad we agree on one thing. That's, you know, it's important for us to have we agree one on thing. One thing, just, like, just to have you get, one you thing these guys per show. And you, you get these guys and you get so attached to them and, like, Arroyo's <laughs> not good. Um, and, you know, Van Dyke didn't have it. And, and oh. certain things just need to be accepted as facts. I can't you know? wait till Van Dyke has an amazing season for Wisconsin. Oh, but, but I already said that. I already that's the first <laughs> thing I said. I said he's gonna go to the Big Ten where he only has to throw twenty to twenty five, and they're gonna run the ball, and he's gonna look like a first rounder. I said that. I've already said that. That's on the record. I've already said, it. and you're gonna have people saying, "Why did we get rid of? We got rid of him because he couldn't do it here. It wasn't about whatever system he goes to." He couldn't do it here. Unless you have Rhett Lashley out there <laughs> dealing with him. And, and, and look, Rhett Lashley is a QB whisperer. He's a jet fish. Like certain guys just have it. Everybody else in the world needs a real dude back there. And that's how it goes. And so, you know, it is what it is. That's why they're, you know, super highly sought after type guys because when you and they're both head coaches now because when you can be a quarter look, he made Jacory Harris look like night and day from the year years previous. Like Jacory looked like like the second coming when um you know Jed Fish had him for that year. He only threw he threw like two picks the whole year. He threw like three picks against BC in the final. But if he doesn't throw those three picks. It's the best season of his life by far, you know. And look you what he just did in Arizona with a kid who was five nine. Uh, you know what? We are Jacory Harris is a friend of the show, so no, I feel he's like a in, friend of the show. But we talked, we talked no, no, openly no. about. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying. I feel like in the, coming up in the off season here, once spring practice is over, we may have to get him back on and see how he feels about what you just said. I'm just saying we might have to, you know, just we bark up that tree. That. Yeah, no, no, I think it's a good idea. What I said was fair, and I said it when he was on the show. I'm not, I'm not trashing Jacory. Jacory. No, great. no, no. I'm not talking about trashing. I'm talking about the idea of that that coordinator quarterback relationship uh, situation. I think he would have good perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. And we talked to him about that. Pull the tape. We talked about it. When you have a guy there that meshes with you, understands who you are as a quarterback and what you can do well, and he plays to that, that's a special coordinator. Right, now, again, quick... I don't think we can judge Shannon Dawson off Tyler Van Dyke. I would rather judge him. I want to judge people off their best days and their worst days, and then I want to make conclusions. So now you've had Van Dyke. We've seen that. Now we're giving you Cam. Now, if you go out there and you can't do it with Cam, then, man, it's probably you. Uh, all right. We are going to definitely further that conversation and further our spring practice evaluation and preview next week but what we're going to do is we're going to take a break on the other side real quick we're going to get into two big subjects in the world of college football uh now there's going to be like 700 signing days and 
uh, the possibility of a 14-team playoff, which we haven't even gotten to the 12, but we're already planning for the 14, and the Big Ten and the SEC are going to have 27 automatic. Uh, I don't I don't even know what's going on. We'll be back after this. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Of the Real Ones Canes podcast. He is Brandon O'Doy. Follow him on all the socials at Brandon underscore O'Doy. Follow me. I am the Beast Brian Leonard at Miami Radio Beast. All right, Brandon, we got a couple of big topics to get into here. National Signing Day, you know, it used to be right around the Super Bowl in February. There was one National Signing Day. It was great. Then we went to an early signing day. Now we're talking about three National Signing Days. What What is going on here? Is it good? Is it bad? You talk to the kids all the time. What, what's going on well, here? It, it's, it has nothing to do with the kids. It's about the coaches because what you want to try to create is a situation where you can shorten recruiting windows because what's happening is you have all of the kids you need to recruit for high school, and as soon as that's done, then the portal opens up. And now you're recruiting all of the kids you need to get from the portal. As soon as that's done, now you're going into off-season workouts. You're on the road. You come back for like a month off, which is now the beginning. Monday starts, you know, the quiet period where you can actually be back on campuses. Recruits can come in, watch spring practice, watch workouts, et cetera. And then now you go from that spring ball, and then you go back on the road to evaluate prospects again And then the whole month of of June is dedicated to college football camps. And so if you have an additional signing period, what college coaches feel like is they can start slotting these things instead of them all blending together. Because what you're going to try to do, you're going to try to end the recruitment for as many guys as you know and are sure about and want to be with you. You're going to want to shut that down because – one of the reasons you want the early signing period is because now you can take officials starting April of your senior year. So now you have guys that are juniors. They can start taking officials as of next month. So why would you want to wait and let a guy take an official in June and he can't sign with you until December? So that's so, the complaint. So yeah, it so- used to be most of the officials were taken November to December. You sign in February. November to January, you sign in February. So when you got these summer officials, when everybody's taking them nowadays, they just want to be able to lock these kids in. And that's why this new signing day is being considered. Yeah, so they're talking about uh, signing periods the last Wednesday in June, the Wednesday following the regular season finale, and the first Wednesday in February. So that June uh, signing day, it takes care of what you're talking about. Guys go on officials in April yeah. and May, and now they can sign in June, and you don't have there's no uh question marks as they for the next six and months. Let me and let me let me make this plain. Jeremiah Smith OV to Miami in June right. of last year. Right. Yep. I listen, I we all we all see what you're saying. All right. One other thing we need to discuss. So we're going to a 12 team playoff next year. That's perfect. All right. But now we're already talking to two years. Now we're already talking to now we're already talking to two years going to a 14 team playoff, but preference going to the Big Ten and the SEC. I I don't where I it's out of control. 
That's putting it very politely. It's chaos. The NCAA is chaos. Beast, when I saw the proposal and then the Big Ten and, and SEC get three automatic bids and everyone else gets like two, what makes them so special? Like Miami's Money. in a really – right. No, I get it. Yeah. Miami's in a really vulnerable position here. Yes, they are. Florida State getting bumped out of the playoffs is all any indication that anyone needs that this league is not set up to success. If you're Miami and you get a Big Ten invite, go. You got to run. You got to say, go. So. <laughs> I mean, it is bad right now. This league is so underwater. And you know what's strange? There's a guy that I really admire who's running the league in Jim Phillips. Like, I really think he's a great guy. He brought my alma mater back. He hired Chris Collins. He did. A, he's doing a great job there. We're getting ready to go to NCAA tournament uh, for the third time ever. Uh, the three of the last four years or three of the last five or something crazy like that. Um, Northwestern football enjoyed a tremendous amount of success under his leadership. But when it's come to the ACC, it seems like he's been kind of the guy who is keeping the ACC down. And I don't like this expansion with Kyle Stanford and SMU. I don't think that did anything for the, the gravitas of this league. I think it was just an ad to get bigger. And if Florida State, which is one of our blue bloods, Florida State and Clemson, if they get left out for being undefeated beast, like, yeah, it's bad. No, this is terrible. And and so I like 14. I like as many teams being in. It, it should it should replicate the FCS model. I think that that's a really good model. It's a really good championship. Even though you know one of the Dakota schools is going to win, they got to earn it every year. They do. And, and they do. I don't know how they do it, but they do. And at the end of the day, the model works. But all this automatic bid stuff from these two conferences, that's hogwash. But if they're going to do that, good Lord, you, you just wonder how can Miami get into, you know, you know it ain't going to be the SEC. How can they get into the Big Ten? And if have they missed their jump? I don't know. What do you think? Well, the issue is that the grant of rights situation with the ACC makes it nearly impossible without the courts getting involved to to jump ship from the ACC. So Who they're signed you know, those I mean, that was John Swafford getting hoodwinked by John Skipper uh, from ESPN. It, you know, like all the stuff happened. You're talking about Phillips. Phillips is good, but unfortunately, he was handed a bag of bleep. Is what he was handed. Uh, and here, here the ACC is, and all these schools are in a no-win situation because this conference is definitely taking it on the chin from the SEC in the in the Big Ten. And unless a court rules in their favor, unless there's some way to squeak by, I don't know how it's going to change. But yeah, I, I would love for Miami to hop to the Big Ten. It would mean so much more money for the program. They want to start trying to start a softball program on on campus and all the stuff. They need money. They, they can't do it with the money they're getting from the ACC. They need to be in one of the other conferences. So it's it's a mess. I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a crazy you, ride. You, you know better than me. And let me ask, because a lot of people don't know, you have a lot of, like, AD administrative contacts. Was there ever a time that Miami got entertained, like seriously entertained for, like, SEC or Big Ten, and they chose either not to go or they kind of were timid about it, like, 
in recent memory that you can recall? Because I think there, that would be interesting to know. There was talk. There was talk with uh, about both. I wouldn't say with because that would imply that there was actual conversations. There was talk about both, but at the time, um, I mean, this could be a whole entire different podcast that I could do. But at the time, Miami saw itself aligning academically with the institutions in the ACC, with the North Carolinas, with the Dukes, uh, those, the Virginias. Um, and then there was the factor of, well, there, the other Big E schools that we were with, like Virginia Tech and Boston College, all that stuff, being in the ACC, that aligns with our principles as a university more so than it does with our athletics. Um, and I also think, to be honest with you, there was also a, uh, some some self inspection of can we really compete with the big dogs in the Big Ten or the SEC? Because at the time the the athletic budget wasn't it you know wasn't comparable, so there was that as well. So there's a couple factors in place. Looking back, it seems misguided, but at the time I understood where they were coming from. Yeah, well, it's, these are nervous times. You're in a third place league and hoping not to slip into fourth um but you gotta win because when you win that kind of changes everything and florida state not getting in i know it's hard for miami fans to root for the seminoles but that was a big loss for miami and they weren't even on the field because if an undefeated top-ranked florida state team could get bounced what can happen in this new uh, 14 playoff, even a 12? I mean, it just, it's not a, it's not good for the conference. Uh, and then what's worse is Florida State getting trounced by Georgia. And I know they had guys sit. And now you got guys at the combine saying, oh, I wish I had to play. No, just don't say anything, buddy. Like that one. <laughs> All right. On that note, next week, we will uh, bring you some good content. I, I'm, I'm, uh, we've got to do it next week. Spring practice starts. Uh, we'll probably, you know, maybe crank out two shows. Maybe we'll give you a Tuesday, Thursday situation. I don't know. Brandon and I will discuss. We'll see what we can do because we got a lot of stuff going on. It's um, spring, baby. It is spring. All right, everybody, listen. Go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go follow us on all the socials at Brandon underscore Odoy, Odoy at uh, Miami Radio Beast. We got listen. Listen, there's other podcasts out there, but we we got you. All right. We got you. On that note, uh, Brandon, have yourself an amazing weekend. uh, And tell your wife I'm sorry that I kept you from her. And I'm going to go deal with whatever was happening in my neighborhood because. Hey, I wish you the best and whatever's going on over there. Yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. We will check you next time. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Peace.